0: So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody. We are coming at you live from a few parts of the country. Uh, Today's topic is going to be an interesting one. Um, We're going to be moderating a few uh, discussion points here. We have a rolling ticker here, so feel free to post in the branch of service that you uh, belong to the years that you served, Uh, so we can go ahead and highlight you and thank you for your service and appreciate you coming. Uh, Today's topic that we're going to be talking about is basically three infantry vets. Uh, talking about PTSD, non-combat, SSD, um, and waiting for years to basically file a claim. So I'll let my coaches, uh, esteemed buddies here, uh, pop in and say hey, and we'll kind of kick it off.
1: Hey, Brian Lofton here, veteran coach. I served in the U.S. Army from 90 to 93 uh, as an infantryman and uh, also in artillery, but uh, glad to be able to to uh, share our experiences and add some benefit to your, uh, to what you're going through.
2: My name is Tyrone Brown. Um, I'm, I'm a U.S. Army, served in the Army from 91, uh, um, got out in uh, 1998. Um, and like I say, I'm, I'm excited to be here to, to talk to you guys about the PTSD and how it affect us um, as infantry guys. Hey, everybody. I'm Sean Gavitt. Uh, served from uh, 90, 93 or something
3: to 99. I'm sorry. I forget. Um, but also served as an 11 Bravo uh, during the course of that time. And uh, really happy to be speaking with you all. So I appreciate you all coming in on the live.
0: Awesome. Um, and before we kind of kick it off, just, you know, usually we like to give a, a shout out to everybody out there. So hoping everybody's safe um and doing well um so i'll I'll let uh kind of sean kick off here a little bit but really the big takeaway we wanted to focus on and i'll let the gentleman kind of drive the conversation and i'll be kind of running some of the questions um is really the balance of being uh an infantry veteran dealing with mental health many of them have many veterans have mental health conditions or combat PTSD, but for, for some, you have non-combat PTSD uh, as well that plays into it. So uh, we'll click off on the first point, let Sean kind of drive a little bit on the first topic that we'll hit on and then kind of round robin it. Yeah,
3: so um, basically, hey, I'm Sean Gavitt again, veteran coach uh, with Dave, David Panetta's team uh, over here at VHCI Champions. Bottom line is, is that, you know, as peacetime infantry vets, I think we served with a lot of people who served in Vietnam My family, my dad served in Vietnam. My brother on several deployments, as well as Kosovo. And um, my active duty time was, you know, pretty typical. Went to the 101st and went over to Korea. And um, over in Korea, I was involved in an event, um, peacetime protest, and uh, was taken out pretty hard. I don't remember a lick of it. And um, quite frankly, I think that, you know, after that, Incident, I, I I definitely changed, and there's a block of time in my life that's completely gone because I was in the hospital. I don't even remember being in the hospital for three months, but when I got out, um, I I almost immediately got diagnosed. I was told to go to mental health. Immediately got diagnosed with PTSD amongst other things. I had several diagnoses, um, but I didn't know it um, when I got out. Number one, as an infantry. Soldier, you sucked it up, you drove on, you made it all happen, and you ignored things, and you didn't talk about your feelings, and so I went there, immediately got diagnosed, and next thing I knew, they gave me literally a crate of medication, and this was back in the day when PTSD, yeah, it's always been known as shell shock and things like that, but PTSD was not really a common discussion point. All I knew is that I was going to a psychologist, I was embarrassed by it, and they gave me a truckload of drugs, and I took them, and I didn't care about anything. I didn't even know what I was diagnosed with. I was just doing what the VA told me. So I just trucked on and kind of, you know, got diagnosed, and then eventually some um, quick friends that I had, I had them for like two months, said, hey, you don't seem the same. And I got off the meds and never went to the psychologist again. I had no psychiatrist, I guess, no idea what was going on with me through everything that that we were trained was drive on. And I tried to do that throughout my 20s and my 30s and even my 40s. And about a year and a half ago, I broke down and uh, well, I guess it started in 2014. I went to my wife and I was just having a tough night and I got drunk and went to my wife and said, I think I suffer this thing called PTSD. And she kind of blew me off and said, you know, yeah, you got issues, but I don't know anything about that, and that's that. And she went to bed, and I went suicidal. That was it. And I called uh, the suicide hotline, and somehow it went to voicemail. And I think either I dialed the wrong number, or somebody just put me on voicemail and I never got a call back and I was ready to off myself that night I had everything out and there was a couple times in my 20s when I was ready to kill myself and uh, it was it was a very difficult time I think that was kind of this thing that started making me think that something was wrong and then uh, last year I ended up uh, really getting bad and got admitted and um, I think what took me so long to file for PTSD is it's not that I didn't want to help the help I didn't know what was wrong with me and it was one of those things that I had to go through some self-realization to understand that something was going on even though a doctor told me back in 1997 that something's seriously wrong with you and we need to help you I ran from it and I think that's a common story whether you were combat arms or not when you have a mental health condition it's very difficult to to accept that personally you think of yourself as a strong person
0: and, and how long did it take so you tried to call not recently right so you you got out of service what year what Year exactly uh, 1999 and then fast forward now to basically 2019 you would say is when you
3: uh, yeah 2019 Wait. well 2014 i started kind of considering it and but when I you, did but when you it, tried
0: to call that, though that was 2019. that was the call was
3: 2014.
0: Okay, and nobody and nobody
3: picked up. Nobody picked up, and I said I need help. And I thought that I couldn't get help, so I put in a claim to try to get help. Is really what happened the next day. Mm-hmm. Man, I was over. And um, when at twenty at 2014, they immediately rejected me. Nope, no, no corroborating evidence. You've got no stressor. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know a lot of a lot of vets don't know there's 31 symptoms that can be rated right in mental health so back then it was kind of it's ptsd or nothing and i just wanted help but i didn't want to do it in the civilian market i didn't want my job knowing yeah that i was going to seek treatment and of course hr has some format of insight into that hmm. and so that was the driving factor but of course i didn't know anything about the claims process i just was kind of like i i want to get help it had nothing to do with money nothing to do with compensation when you're that close to taking your own life and you wake up from the drunkenness, you, you know, something's really going on.
0: And now, so, and just to kind of segue a little bit there, Tyrone, what year did you get out of service?
2: Well, 98 where I was completely done um, with it. And, um, and, and I wanted to kind of lead into some statistics because, you know, and how I, I tell my story, you know, I, you know, I was doing some research. And it, it, the, if you look at the data, it was around May of last year, they had a report to talk about, you know, from 2005, and how they project with the veterans into 2045, that right now, um, you know, it's about 20.9 million veterans out here. And In the year 2045, they're projecting that there are going to be about 12 million veterans um, that's going to be out here. And the reason I'm sharing this is, you know, they talk about for most male veterans, there's going to be a decline of about 2.2% male veterans. And then on the female side, it's about 0.6 or 1%. Um, So the veteran populations account for about 10%. But the reason I share this story is because um, the suicide rate with veterans is at a high. You know, if up today it's about a hundred. You're looking at about a hundred and you know, back in 2017 it was about 125 suicide um, nationwide. But the veterans' suicide rate, um, you know, we're having about 22 to 24 veterans that are suiciding from these mental to the PTSD symptoms every day and you know kind of like what Sean said you know when I got out you know I was kind of shameful to tell my story you know because you know as infantry guys when you do have been programmed so long in the military we were we were always programmed to, to suck it up um, you know if, if you're in pain you pick your buddy up you drag him along you just don't talk about those things, or, or you know, in the units, you sometimes they say, you know, if hey you're weak, you're the weakest link. And I didn't want to feel like I was the weakest link um, in my unit. Um, and as I as I got out, that that mindset continued to follow me. You know, I didn't want to feel like I'm weak. And then I found myself when I was young, you know, doing a lot of reckless things that just was not normal. You know, and in my, and my you know how a lot of us veterans tend to normalize a lot of those things. We, we think it's normal, but it's not normal, you know, and it affected me. And and this went on even into my professional career. Um, um, but I did, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I didn't want to believe it. You know, and then I find myself, the, re, the reality kick in where now you're going to marriage counselor because some of your symptoms that you were dealing with, it affected the people that you're closest to, like my wife, mm-hmm. my children. Um, but you don't want to talk about it because it's shameful, it's an embarrassing. You don't want to talk about that as a professional guy. Mm-hmm. You know, this is I'm okay, I'm all right. right. You know, that was my mindset until I, you know, until I started realizing that, you know, I really need to seek some 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 help. Mm-hmm. And that's when around 2015, I started going into the, the VA facility to start talking about some of my my symptoms and things that that are going on, um, and then that's when I realized that re- I really need help. You know, I really need help about what was going on with my PTSD. You know, because it was a, a traumatic thing that happened to me um, stateside when I was training. Um, so, you know, it happened where where it it, it almost took my life. Mm-hmm. You know, so that. That was my extent mm-hmm. of how I realized
0: that it was time for me to to to, to make a, a change with that. And let me and let me uh, so bring in Brian as well. So Brian, on your side, what year, sir? What year did you get out of service? And you know, kind of getting to your point, if you could also kind of segue a little bit into the SSD, and then we'll kind of circle around as well.
1: I left the army in '93, and um, yeah, so like. Like Sean and Tyrone, um, you know, dealing with a traumatic event in service, obviously, uh, you don't plan for anything like that. And particularly when you're not in a combat situation, um, in my case, dealing with a personal assault, um, you know, it really, it really um, affects the psyche in, in ways that you just don't register. Your behavior starts changing and you don't really can't really put a finger on why, Um, but I can tell you that it got to the point where uh, my behavior was uh, before I was discharged, and this is really kind of what pushed me uh, to the point where I was discharged early, was I was even putting my squad leader up against the wall with my knife hand in his face, screaming at him. By the grace of God, I wasn't given an article 15 or anything, Uh, but, um, but, you know, you start that destructive behavior. Um, and so, you know, in my case, the army didn't really want to put a label on it or or whether they did or didn't, you know, they give me a, a different kind of discharge, a personality disorder discharge. Um, and you know, that's one of those things that just kind of sticks with you. Um, and it wasn't until, so I, I was discharged in 93. It wasn't until 2018, really, that the buddy I joined the Army with uh, was going through PTSD counseling himself, suggested that I, I might be suffering from it and, uh, and that I should go get some assistance. I didn't know how to, to really start that conversation. So instead of calling the, the crisis hotline, I actually texted them and started a text conversation. And that's what, um, really, um, started my journey because I've avoided, I avoided the VA like a plague for 26 years. Right. Um, but in addition to the traumatic experience, um, you know, when you're, when you're in combat arms, uh, particularly, uh, infantry, even more so your, your body is your instrument. Uh, your body is your vehicle. Um, you know, and, and I know that probably everybody in the military, in the army, or any other branch, you you do you do your form of physical activity, whether it be some form of road marching. Um, you know, I was I was a straight leg, so I, I don't have those uh, parachute jumps to to a point to for my knees or back. But um, you're when you when your body starts to break down, it. Uh, that's that also affects you in ways that you, you, you start, you stop exercising the way you used to, you know, you go from, from a, you know, the peak of physical fitness to, um, you know, it hurts to walk around for too long. Uh, you know, hurts the, you know, bothers you getting up and down, even rolling over in bed. Sometimes, you know, if you're one of your joints or your back is flaring up. And so, it's not just PTSD that can really um, trigger those emotional type of uh, symptoms, but it's these physical painful issues that we deal with. And that's where somatic symptom disorder comes into play. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that those physical pain issues, whether they're real or perceived, Mm -hmm. um, they can cause that problem. And, And in my case, you know, not being able to, to go. I went from running miles a day to, um, you know, now I'm at a point where um, I, I tell people I'm twice the man I was whenever I was discharged an and it ain't in a good way. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and,
0: and and Brian, that, that's a good point, because I think what I wanted to highlight here is that's somatic symptom disorder. Um, right. We're, we're talking about two specific things here. Uh, PTSD being one thing, but for the mental health aspect, you also have SSD, right? Uh, Tyrone's case, for example, you know, the incidents that happened, you know, almost ended his life, right? But now what's also the physical reaction of things uh, that manifested, right? Someone that may have got injured, someone that may have got shot, someone that may have gone through something traumatic that also left physical injuries. So you have the psychological piece, but the somatic symptom, to Brian's point, it's one of those things where uh, we've said before. Right. I was seventeen when I went to service. How old were you, Sean, when you went into service? I signed up at seventeen as well. What, what about you, Tyrone? Yeah, was seventeen, eighteen, eighteen. What about you, Brian? Seventeen, just a few days after my birthday. Yep. I got a call literally on my seventeenth birthday and my recruiter was just like, Hey, happy birthday, you can sign up. And I and I bring that up because here's the reality. We're a long way away from seventeen. But the reality is that up here, right, you don't see that. Right? The mind still thinks you're kind of that 17-year-old guy, and it's like you look around, you got, you're got you married, you have kids, it doesn't matter if you're 40 today, 50 tomorrow, 70, 80. We talk with Vietnam veterans, we've worked with Korean War veterans, and the SSD aspect, it really eats at you, because the somatic symptom disorder, what we're saying here, or we're arguing, is now the things that you know that you are supposed to be able to do that you can't do, right? Um, in our cases, right, if you had these jumps, you have a back issues, you have leg issues, you have whatever the case may be, and that limits your life, think about it, right? Maybe in Brian's case, what are the things that you used to do that now you can't do, right? Sean wanted to be able to show his son how to do certain things, let's say, that physically he can't do anymore, right? So outside of the physical range of motion and pain physically, that psychological psychological impact, of those rated conditions is what also exacerbates things. So you have a multitude of things that are coming into your mental health. You have PTSD from the trauma, the event, the avoidance, all these things that go there, but then you have the fact that you can't even move around and do things. Right? When I was when we put our hands up at 17 and took an oath, we figured that today we'd be in a different situation than the one that we're in. Right? We want to be mobile. We want to be able to do things. We want to be able to get around and that uh, that affects us. So a good question, Brian. I know you. I think you have to jump out real quick here. Um, How hard was that for you looking at the physical side of things that you can't do, like on the mental health side? So PTSD being one thing, but on somatic symptom itself, those limitations, like you said, right? And I, and I, I, I wanted to cut into that point because of what you said. I'm twice the man I used to be, but not in a good way. And even then, right, you know, we get a chuckle out of it because, you know, we do that, right? We we'll, we'll use humor to hide things. But that really is the truth, though, right? Like, if you remove the humor aside, uh, how, you know, how hard was it for you to come to a point of actually understanding and being open to the fact that these things affect you?
1: Well, you, you know, you don't, again, it, whether it be a traumatic event or, or your physical pain issues, all you know is that you're you're limited and and it, you become you get to a point where you're fighting against yourself because you, you want to do more. You want to be the person you envisioned to be. Um, you know, I did not, uh, you know, I did not sign up with the army uh, and uh, infantry specifically thinking about, you know, in my later years, that, uh, number one, that my career would be cut short and that two um that i would not be able to do the physical things you know i I, it just it's a it's a level of shame really um that affects your your self-image that that affects how you you believe others perceive you um you know it's just it's really just all encompassing And, and and you might you People might think that, well, it's just your, your foot or your knee or your back or what, your shoulder or whatever. You know, if you're if you had plans for your life and, and those plans were dramatically altered, um, then, you know, those things really have an impact on you. And, and if you're constantly thinking about those things, uh, about how your life could have taken a better turn, had these injuries or these ish- issues not being affected you afflicting you, uh, then, you know, that, that absorption, that, that, um, constant submersion into
0: that self, you know, self doubt, self, you know, the shame and everything Cause, cause, Cause like you said, right. You're dealing with the fact that, Hey, look, you know what, uh, you know, your combat arms, your infantry, your Marine, you know, you're supposed to suck it up and drive on. And then when you add things like SSD, it's like, wait a second. So now, what's causing you depression, anxiety, is the fact that you are dealing with this back condition that you well, can't do a thing. Nobody wants to
1: be a profile, right? I mean, nobody
0: wants to be in that broke truck. Who,
1: who, uh, who uh, whenever they see somebody going to the medic, or you know, they uh, didn't ride somebody, mm-hmm. or if you had to go in for something and get your, your old candy mm-hmm. uh, ibuprofen, um, may not have been razzed. So it's. It's a tough environment to admit um, weakness uh, of any kind, even if it's
0: not, a, a, you know, a significant weakness. I think this is very poignant. I could, I could tell you that when I made the decision myself to call and get help, I literally looked up three different psychologist's office. Right. They didn't want to even deal with the VA. And no one called me back. I left three messages in three places. And it baffled me that I could literally go get a root canal this evening, but I couldn't find someone to talk to. So now here I am at work. I make this phone call. Finally, somebody calls me back a week later. Now, the question they ask me is, do you want psychiatric help or psychology help? I said, well, at the time, I said, well, first of all, I can't tell the difference between one or the other, but I'd like to talk to someone. And they're like, what are your symptoms? I'm like, well, you called me literally in the business day. The last thing I want to do is sit here on the phone at the workplace talking about my symptoms. So this is not going to work. Can we talk about this later? Well, of course, the office closed at five. So how does that help me to actually have a conversation uh, to share a thing? But I, I bring this back to Sean's point where sometimes and Brian's point earlier of it's literally your veterans around you. And sometimes that buddy that can reach out and really be that lifeline. Um, this doesn't replace, you know, medical advice. It doesn't take away legal advice, but as people that have been in that foxhole, that have been in that dark place, in that darkness, I can tell you that making that decision, we've seen some people that have commented saying they haven't wanted to speak up because they don't want to lose a security clearance. They don't want to lose their job. Here's the reality. You're going to lose your life at some point. I made a conscious decision to speak up. I am in the process of retiring from federal law enforcement. And when I picked up the phone and I called medical and I said, look, these are the things that I'm dealing with and so forth and so on. I self, you know, admitted myself, you know, I in my mind, I knew like that's the end of the road there. Right. Took my badge, took my gun, pretty much walked it in and said, here you go. That's a protocol, whatever. Um, And afterward, actually, it was a whole different process. Right. I had to go through a whole eval thing to make sure I was fit for duty. Uh, But nonetheless, there were other things that were still precluding me from working. So that still went down the retirement side of the house. But at some point, you have to weigh out the options. Do I want to hold this facade and look a certain way because I don't want to lose my clearance? I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose the badge or my gun. The reality is there's more important things happening like your wife, your relationships, your kids, your own life that you literally are holding the balance. And that's why you see such a, a high suicide rate. Because to Brian's point, it's the shame at times of admitting that you're dealing with these things. The shame of actually speaking up and being labeled that broke truck there. Um, how was that for you, Sean, when that no one picked up the phone and you finally got around to getting help for yourself? And Brian, if you have to pop off, brother, just give me a thumbs up. Because uh, I know you, you have a call to coming up here with a bet coming up in a few.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, it, it's just great being on here with the the... You guys, you guys are my family, and I'm, I'm really hoping that this video helps uh, other vets. And um, if nothing else, to to get the courage up to seek assistance, uh, to seek counseling or help uh, from somebody, or, or maybe encouraging one of your buddies who who you see struggling, it that that really does make a difference. Right? So,
0: Brian, before you leave, if you could talk to yourself when you were pretty much told that this was not a thing or what have you, right? Back to yourself in the 90s, what would you tell yourself with what you know now to yourself back in that mid-90s, late 90s, when you were kind of just saying, it's nothing, it's me? What would you advise yourself uh, that may well be applicable to somebody out there listening right now to get up and get help?
1: The first thing I would do is actually look for for help, right? I, I would whether it's the, it doesn't have to be the VA, right. Um, it, it can be, um, you know, you, you might even know somebody who's a licensed counselor who can refer you or, you know, just, just seek some assistance, seek some help. Um, that would be the first thing. And, and the second thing is, you know, I, even the army acknowledged that there was something wrong with me whenever I left. Right. But, um, you know, not wanting to address something like that for, for so long. Um, The other thing I I would have done is, is uh, after seeking help is to go back and, and, and just start pursuing uh, those disability issues with the VA right away. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody, I haven't met a single vet yet who said, man, I'm glad I waited 20, 30 years before I filed for these claims. Nobody says that. It's like, man, I I lost all of these years getting not only the the tax-free compensation,
0: but also the benefits that go along with it. The care, the therapy, and on top of that, just your life back. All those years that you didn't get back, you waited 20 years to get to this point. That's 20 years of jaded relationships, of not having the tools to cope with things that were happening in life that today you do have the tools, but for those 20 years, You know you're just going through the motion
1: yeah it's being able to put a name to what it is that you're dealing with and and others around you uh that you trust and love them knowing what it is that you're dealing with i still haven't been able to open up to everybody necessarily but you know at least my wife knows and Mm -hmm. and, and so that's at least a step towards getting that kind of support that you need we
0: appreciate you brian hanging out for a little bit here and sharing Uh, your story you guys are seeing the link here joinvaci.com you can do a drop down select either Sean Brian or Tyrone uh, to be able to talk to as one of your coaches Uh, I'm actually going to show here one of the books that we are just releasing so you guys are going about to get a quick uh, peek here of what's coming up here Uh, this is actually one of our new booklets that we're releasing here this is a benefit uh, guide uh, by state for veterans uh we literally kept cap- put together all the 50 states here so you'll be able to go into every section here and find uh, a bunch of useful information so uh feel free to reach out to us this is like i said one of the new booklets that we have so it's an ebook um it's free it's available to you um it- we put it together because we know for a fact that for many veterans this is something that you need so we'll be uh sharing this as well uh, again visit our link you'll be able to kind of get more information on that but um, and I'll keep the link up here as as we move forward. But um, Tyrone, for you, moving back to the getting help piece, how hard was it for you to admit that this is something that you had to do?
2: It was very hard, you know, because I was like I said, I was programmed man. I, you know, it's, you know, you know, a successful business guy arena, you know, never failing, you know. And, and that's how I looked at it. But, you know, today I don't look at it that way. It, you know, I, I know I needed that help. And I started with just starting to surround myself with other military guys first because, you know, I had to kind of ease myself into, well, yeah, you need to go see the VA or, or a doctor. I had to start talking about it. And I started listening to other guys that had the symptoms and signs that I had. And I said, "Wow, that's me. That's me right there in that guy." So I, I really need to to go go seek help. And then, like I say, it got to a point; it was more personable, you know. When I, I had to deal with it, you know, inside my home, you know, you know, my wife and my children, you know, when they 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 say things that, you know, sometimes we don't want to hear, but I needed to hear that, you know, because it, it I was like, man, is that me? Am I am I becoming that guy? And so that's when I really had to reach, reach hard and go out there and and start talking to a doctor and and getting a better understanding and doing research to see that those symptoms, how they were affecting me from, you know, what happened to me and early on in the military. Um, That's and so
0: that's how I started, you know, seeking uh, medical help. Can you talk about as far as waiting as long as you did? Right. So getting help is one piece, but then. (laughs) Finally getting to the point of actually applying, right, for a claim, Sean has been pretty successful uh, with helping a lot of veterans with, you know, claims dating forward and so that. But on both of your side, looking at it from the coach per se- perspective, what are some of the things that for you personally was difficult uh, waiting so many years? Right. Because it wasn't a thing where you just got out yesterday. Obviously, we encourage individuals to be able to speak up and you know file as soon as they can but there are those that haven't filed since you know the incidents may have been in the 90s or the 80s or even the 60s or 70s we've had that um what was some of those challenges for you to actually get up and file and what would you say to those out there that might say you know what sean tyrone it's been too late it doesn't even matter man that i i got out in vietnam i i served in 67. What, what does it matter at this point?
2: Well, I might have say, you know, with me, I feel feel I had a successful career, right? That that was me telling myself that story. I got a successful career. I don't need that. I don't want to deal with that stuff. That was part of my hang up. And then when I dug a little bit deeper, I realized it was it was it was a shame. You know, I don't want this damn mental um thing hanging over me. I got this mental thing that's bothering me. Um, I don't, you know. And then when I really went in there and I sat down and I spoke to the psychiatrist and I started talking about, you know, a lot of my symptoms and issues that were affecting me. Um, you know, I, I realized, you know, and then she started sharing other stories of how other veterans are affected. I realized that, you know, I'm not the only guy going through this, you know, but I had that mindset. I just wanted to stay closed in my little space. Um, David, I, I, I just did. I wanted to stay in my room. You know a lot of veterans do that we just want to stay in our room or stay in our space at the work workspace you know and and it's done you know that was the way i was living you know but coming out you know on the flip side of that when i started to um be be part of the community um just like the va claim on um, community the brotherhood and sisterhood in here you know it, it it gives you more it helps you from a therapeutic way of starting to talk about it and and be more open and and realizing there's a lot of us that are dealing with these symptoms every day. Um, so that kind of helped me, you know, kind of overcome a lot of my challenges early on without not wanting to go foul, not want to deal with the system and all of that.
3: I would say two Latin words, memento mori. Uh, memento mori is effectively, uh, let it be known I will die, okay? And it's a it's a concept. So. As I started going through these realizations, I had a real battle with myself. It's, should I die or should I take advantage of the life that I have and then die? And for me, that battle really brought me to the point of trying to realize that the amount of damage that I did around me, David, I work for you. You've seen me. I get extremely aggressive. It's not because I want to. It's who I now am. It's my normal. Mm -hmm. And we kind of joke about it sometimes, but it's not that I'm trying to do something wrong. I'm trying to get things done. Mm -hmm. I intimidate people on accident. That happens at work. So I've been very successful in my careers through life, but a lot of it's, I'm kind of an aircraft going down a canal to where you ask it to turn around. It's not going to happen. And that's part of the upbringing that I had with, you know, my family being so military oriented. And then part of it's my PTSD. And when things start, don't start to go the right way, or I start to realize my physical limitations, and then that pushes me back to my stressor, I get extremely frustrated. And the whole reason I bring up memento mori in why you should file your claim now is because you only have a small life to live. And I'm hoping none of you are contemplating suicide like I was because let me tell you that was the worst part of my life And I've had to hold back my tears this whole call because of the embarrassment The sadness how much destruction I've created in my life with my family. I don't know why the hell they're still around me It's been awful and PTSD is the bane of my existence and I wrote some of this to Lisa yesterday while I was pontificating this whole thing and If you don't do it now, your life's just going to get shorter, closer to death. Why not make that life stressor? It'll never be stressor free, but get the proper help. Get the help that you need to make that remaining life that you have to help out with that. My whole concept on it is you only have so much left. Make it count. Do the best things that you can. Tyrone and I were speaking yesterday about our PTSD stressors and how I tend to be much more aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a team here, and I, I work for you, David. And you, get, you have to deal with it. Tyrone has to deal with it. And you guys have seen the destruction. And David's had to calm me down. He's had to talk me off a ledge.
2: Mm.
3: I'd rather not have that. But it's part of all of us. And it's who I am. And like I said, it's an no, And here. I
0: think and that's a good point. And so we're going to switch here gears in a minute and start taking some questions. Uh, but th- one, thank you for that point. I think it's a good point to really highlight. Uh, we talked a little bit about it yesterday before, kind of coming on live today. But in Sean's case, he veers towards that outburst side. Tyrone, on your side, with your symptom and PTSD, would, would you find yourself to be on the more explosive side, middle of the range, or more implosive? Uh, because i think that's that's uh, very it's, it's very poignant for individuals because sometimes we try to compare ourselves and it's like no right now you see three different veterans here for when brian was here all with ptsd but we all exhibit and deal with it in many different ways uh so sean just like shared his point there on your side tyrone what would you say
2: i tend to be in the middle you know where it's kind of like a 50 50. you know i have certain things that can trigger me mm-hmm. You know at a moment and then certain things I you know sometimes I just kind of block out certain things Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with um, which that kind of puts me in about a 50 50 balance but like I say but to me it's still PTSD yeah somatic symptoms you know it still affects me you know one one way or the other you know like um, I'm always in a me personally even in my own home I'm always in an alert Mm -hmm. kind of mode if I hear just something Little, you know, it's like I'm jumping up, running through the house, you know, and, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of crazy, but I guess it's part of my the life that I live now, you know, it's, it's my norm, you know, to me now.
0: And I, I would say like on my end, I would say I'm definitely more on the implosive side uh, mm. because I think that it's good for veterans to really be able to identify and see where he's at. You know, Brian shared that he was more on the passive aggressive side. Um, I'll implode and just kind of pack things away and There is no version of what we just shared that is positive All of them are destructive in many ways, right? Uh, Sean shared his point when you start looking at the implosive side you pack that in until one day you do something crazy Right and that's and those are the dark moments where it's like, you know when you know in my life I can share where you've had I've had moments where you know, if, if I ever took the decision to do those things that in those dark places I chose and thought out to do, I, I literally would have done that and no one would have been the wiser, right? Because there is no outburst. There is no anything. It's just literally like the calm before the storm type of thing. Um, and it just make, and it just shows you the different levels of destruction that can happen, right? When you're that outburst person uh, and you're dealing with those things that way, you're putting your family through that stuff, right? Whereas in my case, let's say I just kind of hide things away and recluse right so you you know no matter how you look at it you have one instance where you might be just outbursting towards those around you and then you might have other instances where you're completely detached from those around you like you're physically there but you're mentally elsewhere right you kind of detach yourself there and none of those things are healthy but i think that this is really how we begin to break the stigma to show that when it's all said and done the reality is you know i work for sean i don't care what sean says my job is to serve them Uh, and basically make sure that they're able to serve and support you all uh, out there who need that help. Uh, But one key point here that we've always talked about is we're very blessed and lucky to literally be in each other's company. And I'm saying that because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Sean does or ask. It's just like, I understand where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. All right. They understand where I'm coming from. And that's a unique situation that many of you sadly have not had the luxury of having because in the regular world, Sean gets fired. In the regular world, Tyrone gets let go, right? In the regular world with someone who doesn't understand these things, it's like, you know what, how many times do I have to tell you this, right? You're dealing with someone who has TBI and they ask a genuine question because they just genuinely are asking it for the first time, even though you may have told that thing to them before, it's not them. It's understanding what they're dealing with. Uh, one of the points that I've always brought up is the limp, right? A lot of us, sadly, you know, by service and things we've experienced, you know, we got hit by this, you know, vehicle of life, events, accidents, trauma, you know, what have you that caused your your, your um, mental health condition. And we've forgotten that something caused that, right? So we begin to internalize it, right? Now, Sean's just the a-hole, right? Tyrone is just a hard person to be around. And it's like, no, wait a second, you're limping because you got hit by a car. Those things that you're experiencing service have made you the way you are You just haven't realized it. So for Sean, it took 20 years to put a label. Like Brian was saying, when you have a label on something and saying, wait a second, I have a disjointed hip because I got hit by a car. I'm not a limp. I'm not a person that just has that. It's something that caused that. And for mental health, sadly, we don't talk about this enough to be able to say, okay, no, something caused that. You're not the person you used to be, but that doesn't mean you can't be a new version of yourself. Because to Sean's point, you're never going to go back. There's no turning this around. Tyrone will not be that 17-year-old guy again where everything was bright and life was great. You know, Sean's not breakdancing anymore (laughs) the way he used to. (laughs) You know, it's ultimately now how do we craft a new reality for ourselves and find purpose given our limitations. So um, I think it's powerful to really just share that because that's really what this is about. So aside of that, really, like I said, we're going to kind of index here. Uh, We'll be back again for a few more sessions, so stay tuned for that. Again, you see the link here, www.joinvaci.com. We have definitely uh, a new book that we'll share. If you go to vaclaimsinsider.com in the blog section. We also have blogs for every state that we're populating, so feel free to see that for sure. So again, thank you all for definitely tuning in with us this evening, afternoon here. you know if i had to talk to myself i definitely would say to prioritize you know myself over what others thought right um as a minority i can tell you that one of the hardest things for us is to admit that you're dealing with something right um coming back home it's like you're good right there's not a question of how you're doing it's a you're good um and again not saying that doesn't apply to other individuals as a whole but my reality that's one thing i know i can tell you uh culturally speaking that i dealt with being you know hispanic uh mental health is not something that we talk about right it's one of those taboo things that is hard to talk about period uh but when you add for example being a first generation here my parents come from another country uh from the caribbean uh it's like you know what we have to get we have to do better right we have to advance you have to assimilate you have to you know embed yourself into american culture and all these different things and then obviously saying that you have issues or dealing with things it's a huge no-no right we don't have those conversations Uh, So being able to put away that and just say, hey, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter if you're white, if you're black, if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Because everyone has those different things. If you come from a line of military individuals where your dad served, your grandpa served, guess what? You don't want to be the one that's a weak link, right? You don't want to be the immigrant, you know, son of an immigrant that comes here and says, hey, I have these issues, right? You're supposed to be better than them and stronger than them. Um, So all those stigmas are affecting us right sean you're a what a second or third generation service member in your case right third yeah third right so you're dealing with that stigma of you're the third in line tyrone you're dealing with the stigmas that you grew up with right as far as what you where you came from uh you know what our 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 culture says we should not do and so forth so all these things are stigmas and this really breaks it up right it doesn't matter what you look like what your dialect is what your race is at the end of the day, mental health doesn't care about any of that stuff. Trauma is trauma is trauma, and it doesn't matter if you were combat infantry. It doesn't matter in this case if you work infantry but had a non-combat, you know, stressor, or if you're non-combat. Uh, trauma is trauma. Stressors are stressors. Get the help that you need. Um, again, value yourself and those around you because you owe it to yourself. You matter. And again, we wouldn't be here today to pay it forward had we not made that decision. Sean would not be able to pay it forward today had he not reached out for help. If Tyrone didn't reach out for help, guess what? He wouldn't be here able to help the next veteran. I wouldn't be here blessed with the opportunity to serve along these fine gentlemen and women in my team unless I decided to stick around and get help. Because at that time, when I was in that tunnel, right, it was just darkness, and just it would be better off if I wasn't around. What if? And now, here's the reality. We're doing something. We're paying it forward we're not perfect and we're broken but guess what hey take a number and join us because you know Sean might not breakdance no more and Tyrone ain't rigging doing the you know the two step like he used to but we'll you know we'll shimmy from side to side if we can so from us to you guys man we appreciate you guys stay safe yeah. out there during this covid time tune into the shows we're doing join us live on these things don't be alone reach out technology is here you know i'll let Sean say his goodbye but again my piece of advice is value yourself, reach out, put the shame aside because at the end of the day, you don't know who's going to benefit from your story tomorrow. And that's why we're here. So, uh, be safe out there for sure. Sean,
3: we love you guys. Remember momento more, make it happen. Just get better. Find it. Call any of us. We're here
0: and
2: uh, take care of yourselves. We, we care about every one of you. Tyrone. Yes, sir. Take care of yourself. Number one. And like I say, it's a humbling experience for our team to be able to help you guys as disabled veterans, to help you guys um, get where you need to be as veterans as well. So thank you guys for giving us an opportunity to even share our stories with you guys today on today. So thanks again. Thank you, Tommy. Bless.